0: This is The Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen. I am a producer and development executive in Unscripted Television, and on this podcast, I talk with interesting people in all aspects of reality TV. Today, I'm talking to Sarah Ospitz, who is a longtime network executive, also spent time on the production company side, both running shows and in development. She's worked on a ton of reality shows since she started as a young buck in the business, Today, she is a VP at GSN, the Game Show Network, where she oversees shows like Skin Wars and the Emmy-nominated show, The Chase. I'm so excited to have you, Sarah. Well, I'm
1: excited to be here. So
0: you and I met, when do, how many years ago? Five?
1: I think it was when my first year at Nuvo, wasn't it? It was called CTV at the time. (laughs) yes,
0: CTV. And it
1: was my first real screen. right. And that's where it all happened. That's where it all happened. He pitched a show to me, and I don't even know how we got how did we even get the meeting? I can't remember. I think the agents
0: probably set it up.
1: I like probably. Yeah. I, and it was me calling the agents go, hi, I'm Sarah. I'm at this new network and, um,
0: we'll get into that. Part of what I love about you. And,
1: and, uh, and you showed me, did you show me tape there? Showed you tape.
0: So this was a show we had called Curvy Girls. This was with my old company, stage three. We had a show called Curvy Girls that was brought to me by an, an executive producer. It was a really good tape. We sort of made some changes to it that, you know, you end up doing when you make a deal with producers, sometimes change it up a it. And there was, yeah, CTV was a Latino net- centric network. Sarah was an executive. there. I think at that point you were looking for content. and Yeah.
1: And I had no money, like none. Which is always so attractive
0: to producers. But what was really <laughs> funny
1: and, you know, that I was telling producers that I had X amount of dollars when I really didn't have that. So I was like lying, but then it turned out fine. It turned out
0: fine. And you were, I distinctly (laughs) remember you being such a great saleswoman because we did have actually, I don't know if it was an actual offer, but serious interest from another network. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of my work garage and you giving me the hard sell for all the reasons we should go with you. And I'm thinking... She doesn't really need to sell me this much. We probably have no choice here, but I love the hard. I love a hard sell. Yeah. Well, we went to
1: pilot, right? We did pilot. Pilot. Oh God! By the way, that day, you know, that day, I'm talking. There was a day. That was the that, that we shot at a hotel in West Los Angeles, West LA, or it was, West Hollywood. Um, the Pally
0: House, the, at very the Pally cheap, House, yeah, where Lindsay Lohan had partied the night before, unbeknownst to us.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> there was this scene, and one of the ki- um, the girls, curvy girls, thought another girl was threatening her with a knife on camera. We had to and literally re- we, rewind the tape. But we both turned white <laughs> because she said she was going to sue us. Sarah <laughs>
0: promptly got on the phone with her father, who's a lawyer. Yeah. You were panicking. I was panicking, panicking. And then
1: I called my company. And I'm like, I'm just telling you that we are being threatened that someone's going to sue us because there there was a knife pulled. But there's no knife pulled, by the no, way. No. And let's be
0: honest. With all of the chaos, we were both excited that we finally got our moment. Yeah. <laughs> that <laughs> is true. I think
1: it was something like we got our tease. We got our that, that is true. It we was got... a it was a big moment in the show. Yeah, and it was a big moment in the show.
0: It was a big moment. That was yeah. that was an interesting All right. Well let's back up because you have had a very illustrious career. You start you went to UC Santa Barbara. Yeah. And then I kinda don't I, I know there was T B S at a certain point and so like from, from college to TBS, give me the broad strokes. Of, so of I went
1: away to Europe after college, and I, I decided when I was in Europe, I have to get home so I can start working. Why did I do that? I don't understand. So I get home, and I had a friend, and I got a, a one-day gig being a PA on a show. And but it was, why TV?
0: Like, is that was just in your I, head? I
1: wanted to do film, but I couldn't find anything in film. I was a film major, and I was looking for internships and things. And I did do an internship, um, but I wasn't being paid. And it was for um, Joe Dante. His um, company did Gremlins, oh, God. and um, he did Gremlins. And so, but I wasn't being paid. So I got a call. Here's a day. We'll give you a day uh, as a PA on this Dick Clark show. And so I did that one day, and that one day turned into another job, which turned into another job. So for three years, I was freelancing, um, and I worked um, on the Keenan Ivory Wayne show, and I worked on a special for NBC and various things as as a PA and assistant. And then... um, So that
0: was pre kind of the reality boom with Survivor, like around 2000?
1: Yeah, I mean, reality was still there. It was just not what we know of it now. Okay. The real world was on and you know right. reality was around. It was just diff- a little different and then went over to TBS because my boss on this NBC special I was working on his wife was an executive at TBS and she needed an assistant. Mm. And I went over there and that's where I kind of grew and I was there for 7 years.
0: That's unbelievable. So starting as an assistant Give us is that like an assistant at the agencies where you're doing all like you're being beaten up and, you know,
1: I got lucky. I mean, I would say as a PA was tough, you know, (laughs) in in freelance. But when I went to TBS, I was not it was actually one of the best relationships I've ever had with a boss. Um, She was a mentor to me. She she left the business, actually. Um, But we we were together there for seven years. And when she left, I ended up leaving six months later. So, yeah, it was a really, and TBS was doing reality. Um, We were doing, at the time when I came in, Ripley's Believe It or Not with Dean Cain. Right. And that was like a big show and actually (laughs) did really well. Wow. Um, And then Survivor came on and Who Wants to Be a Millionaire came on, and it started affecting our numbers. And and so things changed. And so what was your, as you went up to the ranks
0: there, you know, where, how, what was the progression and how did you sort of, did you have a map in your head of how I want to get there? Or was it just kind of like you fell into this and then you fell into that?
1: I fell into reality okay. for sure. Cause I wanted to do film, but I know once I was at TBS, I knew I wanted to be on the network side. You know, I always knew that. And so I just was working hard to do that. And so I was there my first three years, I was an assistant, which was frustrating and But you just kind of do it. And then after that, I became a manager. And then they promoted me to director. And then um, that's when I left. So I got the director title. And then I was able to get another director title at a different company.
0: So for the uninitiated, just give us sort of the steps. Like the manager is kind of the lowest rung on the progression toward the head of the whole. Yeah, I
1: guess so. So, well, you have assistant. And then sometimes you get promoted to coordinator, which is, you know, um, and then manager would be after that. And then um, you're, you know, you're very low level executive, you're getting to do some work on some of the shows, but you're still green. And I was very green. And I actually think I was green my entire time at TBS. I didn't really i had never really worked in production in a creative way I was a PA and I had been an assistant but really creatively um, didn't have much impact and so um, so I was green in, in at TBS but I you know I learned a lot and um, what were some of the shows that you worked on so um, Ripley's Believe It or Not was the first show and then we did a lot of reality um, we did Towards the end of my run there, we did a show, The Real Gilligan's Island, with. Um, oh my God. Yeah, it was with uh, Mike Fleiss, produced it. <laughs> right. And, Mike Fleiss
0: of The Bachelor fame.
1: Yep. And. Um, was that an elimination show? Um, It was. And. But I can't tell you. I don't even. I have to <laughs> look. I haven't. I haven't even thought about it in so long. But yes, they were on an island together. It was. um, um We had two of each character, I believe. But. I'm now forgetting <laughs> I guess so Noah
0: Zark meets Gilligan the yeah Battle. and we
1: shot in Mexico and then so we did that and then we did a show called Outback Jack, which was I with Bruce that. Nash mm-hmm. who was the name in reality television. Yes. He was the name. Back then it was like if you could if you met Bruce Nash, it was the biggest deal and we got a deal with him and we did Outback Jack with him. And actually, so many people I know now came out of that show. The creator of that show, the guy who actually came up with the idea, he was not involved in production, is a guy named Craig Brooks. And he is my EP on a show I do now. It's crazy.
0: Well, and that's why I always say you can't really piss anyone off. Because they will always end up coming back in some form.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm still... I'm working with the same people I worked with 20 years ago. That's incredible. It's it's incredible.
0: And Outback Jack, I... Is that... Was that like a bachelor type show?
1: Yeah. It was basically the bachelor. bachelor. That's right. (laughs) And we took girls... Um, we said that they were going to meet this like guy right. from Australia, <laughs> and they were going to go to Sydney, right. and we throw them in the outback. I love and it. it was actually a great show, very well done. Bruce Nash did a great job, um, and it did really well for TBS. And then the decision was not to do another season. So.
0: so you were not on the development side. You were not the current side. I did both. You did both. So you yes. were in the meetings with producers yes. when they come in to pitch. And what was that like being sort of, you know, not someone that could necessarily sell it through on your end as a manager or even maybe a director, but as someone kind of hearing all these pitches, that was your sort of inauguration into...
1: I'll never forget. Can I tell you this one pitch Please. we took... So I was a director at this time and... and christy who's my boss and i took this pitch with this guy and i i don't even remember his name but he was an older gentleman and he came <laughs> in and he came in with 30 documents so he was going to pitch 30 shows okay oh my god. and oh my um god. how long was the meeting <laughs> the, and i look at christy i'm like oh my god so he starts <laughs> pitching yeah. he's just one show was called ant farm a u n t farm oh. and i'm like i don't get it and he's like, you don't get it, Aunt. I I mean, to this day, I, I don't know. I don't I'm even know. I'm stealing that and making it a
0: good show. I, there's
1: got to be a good show there. So this is the type of show that he was pitching. So um, in the middle of the pitch, he gets up and he starts talking, you know. And all of a sudden, this huge booger falls out of his nose. <laughs> oh, my God. And he catches it. (gasps) He went like this. It was like it falls out of his nose and he catches Uh, it with his hand. And honestly, Christy and I look at each other. (laughs) Is there a reference made to this? We said nothing. (laughs) She went to her desk to try to find like something to do so she wouldn't crack up. So she found an old cup of coffee (laughs) and drank her old cup of coffee just so that she would not die of laughter and oh so God. that was the worst but yeah so I was involved in all the development <laughs> meetings some were better than others
0: yeah and as I'm honestly curious not pr- this particular gentleman but yeah. in general like when a pitch is going in that direction where you just know like this person has literally no clue they're yeah coughing up boogers or whatever's happening yeah. like how do you gracefully do you get do you secretly text the assistant to come in and no, say you have another meeting you just like... you
1: just have to be a you know be lovely right and um and to this day I mean You know, I'm always, like, give people time to, you know, pitch. Right. You know? And I guess so, you never
0: do know if you're going to hear some nugget of an amazing idea that's from the exactly least right. person. That's
1: exactly right. Just and wasn't so, that guy. <laughs> it wasn't that guy. But but we sat and we and then he shook my hand with the same hand. Oh that he, oh
0: god. But okay. you know
1: it it. Mm. But you know what are you going to do? <laughs> no. And he you're wasn't go a bad sanitize. guy. He right. just I went and sanitized <laughs> and we never took another meeting with him. Oh my god. But um but yeah that so man I, was
0: Mark Burnett now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but. Yeah. So I was involved in all of those meetings. And the way it worked at TBS at the time, and I'm sure it's really different now, was that, you know, we were we weren't doing a lot. Mm -hmm. And so everybody was involved in the development process. So it wasn't like we would pitch an idea and immediately would get greenlit, like everyone chimed in and it was very collaborative internally. It may be different now because, they're, you know, I don't know how, how it works there now. But that's how it and that's actually kind of how it is now. The company I'm at now GSN, um, everyone talks about the shows because we don't we do a lot, but we don't do, you know, a ton. And so everyone, you know, we're very thoughtful and we, you know.
0: Well, let me ask you about that, because, you know, sitting on the other side now as I am and you've been on the other side and we'll get into that as well, you know, It sounds great in theory, but in reality, it also feels like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then really it's just up to one person anyway. So is it, you know, is that frustrating on your side too when you put sort of so much thought and collaboration into it and, you know, maybe the big boss just is is not feeling it or doesn't want it, you know?
1: I mean, but at the end of the day, they're the ones that have the ability to, you know, spend money. And so all, all we can do is pitch the best that we can. And if, you know, if... If the people with the money don't want to do it for whatever reason, there's only so much you can do. But it usually, um, and T- at TBS and GSN, usually if it's something we're really passionate about, there is everyone gets on board. So it's not really like that. Okay, that's you know, good to it's hear. not like you go, "I love this show." Yeah. and They go, "No," <laughs> right. like it doesn't really work right. that way. And do you think? And I'm
0: curious about this too. Do you think that you guys internally do a better job pitching up? to the sort of decision-maker than the producer would do because you sort of know all the buzzwords to use or the way that it would fit in with other shows there. You have, you're have sort of more privy to those
1: Yeah, I mean, Yes, um, I do, but also with game shows, which is what I'm doing now, um, we do a lot of run-throughs, and the senior management is invited to those. And so they can make and form an opinion on their own and see the show for themselves. So a lot of the time, if it's an in-studio game show, they will have seen it. Um, so there's not a lot of selling cause you, they right. see it themselves. I mean, we talk about, you know, the holes, we talk about, you know, potential issues, good things, you know, the pros and cons, and then you kind of weigh it and see if it's something you actually want to move forward with.
0: But so going back to that's that's very interesting. Going back to, um, TBS for a minute. Um, what was, I'm curious and you were there for a long time. What was sort of the best show or best experience that you had there that you got to be a part of?
1: Um, you know, I would say when we were doing a lot of reality, like the Outback Jacks, and we were really looking for shows. We had a lot in development. That was a really great time there. And then um, what ended up happening was TBS decided we changed our logo to... And our... our, um, our Mandate. Yeah, and it was all comedy. And right. so it became TBS very funny. Um, and Outback Jack and those shows were kind of in that time, but then they wanted to do more scripted. And so reality you know, um, wasn't as much of a priority anymore. And so that's when I knew I needed to make a move.
0: And that's when you went to Endemol? Yes. And then, so talk about that transition, cause that was, you know, you have been in a network for a very long time. And even though Endemol is a big studio, it's, it's a different,
1: it was different. You know, I was at TBS, which is part of Time Warner and, um, you know, if I needed something, you call the tech people and they come and fix it. And it's like a huge company. And we flew to Atlanta all the time. And it, we I was part of a huge corporation. And when I went to Endemol, um, and I'll have to tell you how that happened. But when I went to Endemol, it was like this small, you know, Endemol is not small, but the production company, the L.A. office was small. And so I needed a computer and there's one guy, you know, like (laughs) there it was just such a weird thing for me. And I was still young. So um, so it was it was very, you know, it was it was a hard a little bit of a hard transition.
0: And what was the story of getting there?
1: Well, what happened was so Christy, my boss at um, TBS left um, and I stayed for six more months and I was not really loving doing scripted. Um, I felt like I was, you know, my passion was reality. It was where I kind of grew up. And, you know, now all of a sudden I'm doing scripted and it just wasn't for me. Um, and so I just, I'd heard about a job at Endemol. And so I just picked up the phone and called. Like, I was just like, hey, I hear you have a job. I'm Sarah. Can you hire me? Like, that's literally how it went. And, and for people
0: who don't know you, that is you in a nutshell. Yeah. And that's I mean, I, that's I what you. I do.
1: I just kind of, call, hey, I'm Sarah. Would you take a meeting with me? I know you don't know me, but... Um, and I went in for a meeting and I think he was um, meeting other people, but, um, and it was a director position, you know, it was a lower level position, but, um, and it was, it was strictly for current series, which would have been new for me because at that time I was doing development and current, um, and, you know, I got the job and the first show I was put on was Deal or No Deal.
0: With Howie yeah. Mandel. Yeah. Yeah. So back to, you, it comes full circle on the game show. Yeah. So was that your first game show?
1: It was my first game show. Yes. Um, Give us a great story. Oh, of Deal? Yeah. Oh, there's got to be a million. I have a million stories <laughs> from Deal. There there are a few that come to mind. We actually traveled the world for Deal or No Deal. We did a Deal or No Deal around the world. And we did three episodes in three different countries. And we took our own contestants and we, and Howie, and we went on, because it was in, I think at one point in 80 territories or more. And they were making local versions. So we took Howie and our contestants to these local versions and shot our show with them, Incredible. and um, and it was very. What were some of the countries? So we did Estonia, <laughs> we did the Philippines, wow. and we did South Africa, and um, we did Estonia was one trip, and then we came back to LA, and then we did um, um, South Africa and the Philippines in one trip. So that was it was a, actually a tough.
0: I was going to say, that's for the young. Yeah.
1: And... um, And Howie. And Howie. (laughs) And so I'll never forget in Estonia, we were there. And, um, oh, there are so many funny stories. Like, one of the writers... Um, or producers was um, not feeling well. He ended up having to go to the hospital during the shoot. The director that we had was their director and he was like 25 years old. Mm -hmm. And he went out, he like left Mm -hmm. as in the middle of shooting. Mm -hmm. And it turns out he went to buy bananas for everybody. Like we're in the (laughs) middle of shooting. (laughs) So it's just like the strangest. It's so different working in other countries and their, how they operate is so different than how we operate.
0: You know? And what was your role? Like what were you actually doing in the field? So
1: so at Endemol, I was the studio executive in a way, right? Because um, Endemol really was more of a studio. And so it's a tough actually position to be in because you're not the network um, and right. you're not producing, right? <laughs> you're the production company person so, so are you
0: technically above the showrunner yes. at the production company Tec- so you're overseeing them right and then are you liaisoning with the network executive yes okay that is a um, tough job it's
1: a tough job absolutely and you know the showrunner um you know has to come to me why you know what i mean like right. it's a tough you know i don't like why would he want to come to me with <laughs> you know so why wouldn't he just want to go directly to nbc so it was a tough actually a very tough position to be in um, and you were still
0: young. I, I was mean, still
1: young. I was still, you know, yeah, I was young. I was young. To be I in was...
0: such a sort of big shot. Yeah. Position. I mean, I
1: was, you know, it was just still director level, but, you know, I was on for Deal or No Deal. Specifically, I was on set every day. And uh-huh. so I was the production company representative. We had, you know, my boss came a lot and we had different people come all the time. But I was the person that. You know, my office was in the production company, the production office. So Deal or No Deal producers, I was right there with them. Interesting. Um, did you like it? I did like it a lot, yeah. And I still have friends from that show, yeah. you know? It's yeah. like you've been through a lot together.
0: Was that your first time kind of working with a celebrity host who, you know, you had to kind of... I mean, I Not heard quite. he's pretty low maintenance. But... Yeah,
1: I mean, I had worked with celebrities okay. on, other, on other shows at TBS over the seven years, but he is so amazing like honestly the nicest menchiest smartest. He acts as a producer, like he thinks like a producer. He's just wonderful. It was really a, a great experience with him. I got spoiled actually. Right. Because right. Then this you, is not normal. This is not normal because yeah. then you go on other shows and you you're dealing with hosts who actually aren't as knowledgeable right. about hosting game shows right. and there's much more learning involved and he was such a natural, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm so glad to hear that cuz it confirms sort of all the good stuff that I've heard and yeah. assumed about him. But He's
1: a great guy.
0: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: So that was so was that your
0: only show that you were overseeing at that time? Sounds like that. no. Oh,
1: so wow. I, yeah, that no. There was time to
0: do others. Yeah.
1: So I was on that. I was on a show that we did called One Versus a Hundred. Okay. At the time, um, and who was that for? That was for NBC as well. Okay. Um, and that was Bob Saget hosted that, and it was a Friday night show. And then, um, I mean, I did dozens of shows for Endemol, So those were two of the big ones. But I did some docu series for them, um, competition. All kinds of stuff. And so so you
0: did, so the shiny floor, the competition docu, what was sort of your, did you have a favorite genre?
1: You know, um, I love it all and with game, I loved game, I love game. I mean, I have to say I I love format, you know, Mm -hmm. docu-series I really enjoy. We've done a docu-series together, but it's a lot different and a lot, um, a lot more difficult in a lot of ways because you're creating story out of nothing.
0: Yeah. Um, I remember so many phone calls with you where you kept saying Docu is different and you couldn't have been more right because you're creating stories yet they have to feel completely natural and organic.
1: Yeah. And look that way too. Yeah. And you know I think for me the biggest lesson in Docu was at Endemol because we did a Docu and it was my first Docu and um, and it was called and it was called Southern Bells and it was SoapNet. It was on SoapNet and it was very difficult.
0: I have to say, I actually watched that show because I don't miss a docu soap and I liked it. Yeah. But I, It I turned imagine- out great, right. actually. The on screen product was great. Yeah, but, but it the was scenes- a really,
1: really tough show. And we, Endemol, was new to docu at the time. It was kind of like docu, what we hadn't, you know, and now Endemol's know, like Jersey Licious and all this great stuff right. that they've done. Um, what was the hardest part about it? You know, it storytelling was the hardest part it was really creating compelling story and you know having a beginning middle end for every episode that made sense that made you want to come back the next week and you know we shot up we shot for weeks in kentucky and then we got back into the bay and the connecting tissue it was just a lot of things we needed to sort through and it was a tough process but we did it and i think we did a great job um, do you but, have to
0: go back if you like, cause it sounds like maybe you were missing some stuff that, missed, yeah. so then do you just go back and get the connectors? Like yeah. how do you, cause not all the stuff you can solve in post. Yeah.
1: Some of it you can, and some of it you have to go back and shoot stuff. Yeah. And do you
0: tell the network? Yeah. <laughs> they were very
1: involved. I don't, you know, okay. they were, <laughs> they knew they what were, was up. Oh yeah. They were yeah. there right, right there with us. You know, I mean, obviously we just all wanted a good product. And yeah. so that was a rough one, but I, I really, loved the final product and I think we did a really good job and there was even discussion about doing a second season um, but then SoapNet um, ended up not you know going away right. so so that was off the table but that was my first docu and I have to say from that experience which was t- tough I learned how to do docu and that's why when I was doing docu after that I was very clear on what how we needed to produce it and that's why curvy girls and I did mostly docu at um, CTV Nuvo. So, yeah,
0: I wanna get there in a minute, but I think that you just brought up something that I always say about network executives and actually applies to you as well as both a network exec and a producer is I believe if you're good at your job and you know how to produce or you know how to run a network or whatever it is, it really doesn't matter if you're a game show network or if you're T B S or you're at history, if you're an A if you know how to be a network executive, yeah. the content really shouldn't matter. I mean, obviously personally you might gravitate toward maybe the more female shows or the docu over the competition, but you shouldn't be you know that muscle you should be able to flex all of those muscles and I think you're a great example of someone who's kind of worked in all of those genres and can easily switch yeah switch gears when you have to I mean it is
1: very different to work on a game versus a docu and unless you've done it it's very difficult to know um how to do it but but yeah I mean you know and I had a I had a but content wise I had a a uh, boss say to me once, I won't say who this was, but there was a show we were looking at that was very male about cars. Now, if you know me, I know nothing <laughs> about cars, and by the way, I don't care about them. Like, me like
0: who who cares? Right. But we know those shows are popular. So, yeah.
1: So I found a show, I pitched it to this CEO, and um, and um, I was asked, "What do you know? How could you produce this? You know nothing about cars." And I, my response was, that's my job. It's like, it doesn't, what do I know about being a, a you know, a, a plus-size model? Nothing.
0: <laughs> Sarah you know? is very thin.
1: <laughs> but in right, general, like, right. what do I know about any of that's this? Great, yeah, you know, you learn. Point. I did I did a, a show on um, MMA. Right. Me? A show on <laughs> MMA? But you learn. Yeah. That's your job. You know, you become the expert in it.
0: And that's. I mean, not to sound cheesy, but that's sort of what I love about our business and what we get to do is that you are literally in a fight club one day and out with curvy models the next and then on a farm the next and after that in Dubai doing deal or no deal. Like that's the excitement of us. That's why people envy what we do. Yeah,
1: we we can do all kinds of stuff and, you know, and we know if we need help or if we don't know something, we ask and we figure it out. You know, we did. I did a weight loss show. Um, my first show actually at CTV Oh, the Osmond? was Operation Osman with an Eric Evangelista produced it. Hot and snakes. I never did a weight loss show. I didn't even know if this was gonna work. And he hadn't ever done a weight loss show, you know, and there were weight loss shows on the air, successful weight loss shows and and we did it because yeah. we you know, because you're
0: smart we, and you get it.
1: Yeah, and it was actually successful for eighty eight thousand dollars an episode. You know, it's unbelievable that we were able to an hour episode eighty eight thousand. And and the shows looked good for that. I know? yeah.
0: I mean with curvy girls I always say we did, you that know, way you
1: got more money. You got more money, <laughs> which Eric
0: is still bitter about. Yes. Unfortunately he knows the he knows the dirty details. But that show looked like a Bravo show. It did. On you know a curvy, beer, curvy. The girls champagne show on the beer budget. So I'm proud of that. So back to you. Mm-hmm. Um so once you left Endemol, was that C T V after that?
1: So yeah, so I was at Endemol for four years, um, in current, and then I actually did a year in their think tank in development. So I just came up with show ideas for a year.
0: So um, okay, you need to describe. I what didn't that talk is. to
1: you about that ever. Yeah, have I? yeah. I, I
0: saw it on your resume, and I yeah. thought, like, is it like, oh, you know, all glass, and they're all just in there, you know, with their hands on their heads, thinking, yeah. like, what is it?
1: Yeah, it was. It was <laughs> actually kind of an interesting thing. So they had a think tank of like five people, sometimes less, sometimes more. where they they just sat in a room all day long and would ideate. And, you know, the thinking was Endemol would take the Nugget or whatever, develop it. And and so, yeah. um, But they were
0: employees of Endemol? Yeah. Okay.
1: And so um, after three years doing Current and Deal or No Deal had gone away, which was my main show, and they were, you know, doing some other, like, more docu-stuff, I moved over onto the development side and um, did the think tank for a year. And it was really, it It was good. I was there a year. I, I really enjoyed it. But I realized that it wasn't what I was wanting to be back at a network at that point.
0: Did yeah. you, I mean, you know, I've been in a lot of those types of sort of brainstorming meetings yeah. as a development person. And, uh, you know, what was the it can be really fun and collaborative, or it could be exhausting, because you know you have to listen to some really bad ideas, probably some of which are your own. Yeah. But also, like, was there an expectation that you come in with 10 ideas yeah. once a week? Like, what was the-
1: The expectation was you work all week. Okay, so there were a couple things. You work all week on your own ideas, and then every Friday there was a meeting that we had where we would pitch ideas. And we never knew how many we were gonna get to, um, each of us. And then also, if Endemol sold a show, let's say they show, they sold a show in development to someone or did a were hot, you know, were asked to do a run through of a game show, we would do it. You
0: beat it out, you figure it out. it out. Got we would beat
1: it out we would create the run through, we would put the run through on, and so we did that, and that took a lot of our time as well. Right. So, you know, so But that's I, easier
0: in a way because you have something to work with yes, as opposed to nothing. ideas out of thin air. Right. And where were most of your ideas coming from?
1: Um, Online internet, you know, I was on um, all kinds of websites <laughs> every day. I, I I would um, buy all kinds of magazines. Like I was reading everything. Um, I miss those days because I was very informed. <laughs> you knew everything. I knew everything. Um, but I was on online most of the day. I was playing a lot of games <laughs> because games actually, like I, w- I remember we did a field trip to Target and we went to the game toy section. And we just bought a bunch of stuff and just to see if there was anything interesting there.
0: To turn To turn a game. into
1: a show. Did yeah. anything
0: come out of that year? I don't year? know
1: that... that I, I don't recall if that Target trip, you know, anything no, came out of that. No, but I mean that, the but,
0: year in the think tank. Did any any shows come through to, you know, to fruition?
1: There were a couple things, I think, that were pitched and there was some interest on. Um, there was one show... There was one show, Love in the Wild, which um, actually Love in the Wild is not anything that the Think Tank had, (laughs) but there was a a nugget from the Think Tank um, that that helped, you know, get that show, you know, going. So, yeah, so there were things, you know. But I think that
0: that just shows how hard development is. Because you can work a year in a think tank. Yeah. And still the ratio of any of those shows going anywhere is so low. Yeah. Even in an Endemol, which has a machine behind it.
1: Yeah, Endemol, though, was very focused at the time on selling broadcast. And I think that um, they also at the time did some cable, but at that time when i was there with the height of Deal or no deal and that going away i think the broadcast was a focus and so um, so that is hard yeah, obviously that really business hard. is very hard yeah right
0: the uh, alphabet networks as yeah. we call them so then you were eager to get back on the network side yes and and then that was ctv
1: yeah so which i became yeah so i had an interview at bravo i remember um, working in current there. And I was really excited about that opportunity. And, um, what was kind of funny is, you know, my boss now was the head of programming at Bravo, Amy and Picasso Amy and Tricasso Davis. Davis. So it's kind of funny, but, um, so, but I didn't interview with her. It was someone else. And, um, I also interviewed at CTV at the same time and the offer from CTV came in. So I, and I think Bravo. They ended up hiring someone else. I don't even know. From what I understood, I was maybe a little in the running. I didn't even know, but I took the CTV job because it was offered to me. And so I went to CTV and it's, you know, it sounded really interesting to me because it was an opportunity to do something and create something on my own. You know, like they had a programming department. There was, you know, I had a boss who had been there for a while and you know but they had never really taken outside pitches no one knew who CTV was at the time in the creative community and so it was really this opportunity for me to just be a hustler and that's what i was for the f- 3 years that i was there i was a hustler i yeah,
0: hustled you hustled and you were really really good at it like i said i mean you you know you you shepherded Carver girls through a, and a lot of other how many shows did you ultimately buy
1: um well we we produced quite a few, yeah, quite a lot. there were a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the number, but we did quite a bit. And, you know, we did Osman, we did Curvy, we did uh, Fight Factory. We had a show called Mission Menu, which was the first time. That show was really interesting. So it was pitched to me um, at, and uh, as a co-pro with TLC International. Right. So they took the international rights, TLC did, and we got the U.S. rights. And we aired it, and then they aired it internationally. It was very interesting. And the CTV had never done anything like that before. Yeah. And they split the cost with us. Nice. So we were able to have a more expensive show. Yeah, yeah for, you know, half the cost. Interesting.
0: So, yeah. So that was interesting to me because you are, you know, a white girl from L.A. and that was a network. And I don't speak Spanish. No or, habla Española. No. So was that, what was that like being, I mean, it's just so everyone knows, you know, CTV, which became Nouveau TV as we know it now.
1: Well, no, it's now fused. Now
0: it's fused. sorry. when J-Lo Or
1: AFM. There's like, oh, really? I thought it was
0: still fused.
1: I think that, I don't. Yeah. I don't know.
0: So, yeah, J.Lo came in and became the creative director. Yeah. but. But it was really all Latina, you know, women. And I guess there were some men, too. But yeah. the ones that we interacted with seemed like all women. Yeah. Um, was that, like, what was that experience like yeah, for you? Yeah, so it, was, it
1: wasn't easy. Um, so I was one, there were, I was one of the few non-Latina um, women there and people there. It's a. It was a U.S. Hispanic network. It was for, you know, um Uh, first and second generation Latinos who speak English, who grew up in the States, who do not watch television in Spanish. So technically, you don't really need to know Spanish um, to produce shows, to produce the shows. But, um, you know, it's a cultural thing. Um, so right. it was a lesson for me and I, I, it was a challenge and I actually enjoyed the challenge. We did a lot, you know, it's like to understand the the nuances and the differences between Colombian and Peruvian and Mexican, and it's all very different. And so, um, it was, it was very interesting and, um, and I actually really enjoyed it. It was, and, and, you know, they were interested in, in branching out and doing, um, you know, working with production companies that, don't normally produce for the Spanish market, speaking market. Yeah, and I think the
0: other challenge I remember seeing you go through it, and I think you you did a very good job of navigating what is difficult And that you mentioned earlier, the budgets were tiny for, you know, you're working with producers who are used to working in bigger budgets to make bigger shows, and, you know, you just you basically just kind of behaved as if you were at a bigger network with bigger budgets and let's try to make the best show we can. Yeah,
1: I called the agents. I remember when my first day there, I called every agent I knew. And I had been out of the game for a minute because I was working in Current at Endemol. So like I had to just make some cold calls to agents. Remember me, Sarah Ospitz. And so- um, <laughs> And I just sold. I said, this is an up-and-coming network. You have to get in now. This is the time. We don't have a lot to pay, but you want to get in. Because once you're in. (laughs) And people were really cool. Like, people took meetings. I mean, companies that make shows that are a million dollars an episode came in and took meetings with me. And I remember my first day on the job, I was like, so how much money do I have an episode? (laughs) And I remember... My boss saying, I think we have about 30,000 well, an episode. And so, and I, I, I'll never forget this. I went home and went, oh my God. What like, have I am, done? How am I going to do this? Yeah. And so I lied. Like I told producers, we had 100,000. Right, right.
0: <laughs> sounds so much better right. than 30. But even, even 100,000. So low, exactly. Yeah, so, it's all relative.
1: So, and then finally, CTV put in money and yeah. became Nouveau and put in money towards programming and really um, built up, you know. Um um, a nice environment there to produce. And we did some really great things,
0: so when so. you were ready to leave, that was it was sort of did you go right to GSM? Yeah I can't remember. okay. And so yeah. that brings us up to to today. Yeah, so, you, so I
1: wanted to get back into the general entertainment market and not yeah. um do the um the um you know English speaking Latino market. Um, I loved it, but it was just I wanted to get back to my roots, and so this position at GSN came up, and um, and I I uh, I jumped at it, and so so yeah.
0: you're a VP of yeah. current programming now.
1: Yeah, a uh, VP. Oh, I, my official title is VP of original programming, but yes, I head current series. So we have a head of development, and we have a head of current, and so so my head of development is. Um, um, Jen Freeman, who works in New York, and I over, you know, oversee Current in L.A.
0: So how many shows do you oversee at once?
1: However many we have. So right now we have, it, and they're always in different places, right? So like some are in post, some right. are in pre-pro, some are in production. So whatever, you know, um, you know, it can be like three or four at a time that are going, which is okay. It's not actually that t- bad. I, you know, at Endemol, it was, we had a lot going at the same time. And, you know, and other networks have a lot more than that. I mean, some networks have a crazy amount of shows going at the same time. So I feel like we, it's very manageable and, and, um, and great because we can spend the time and really, you know, shepherd them. And
0: have you had certain shows that have been sort of your babies that you feel like um, you know, you've kind of brought in from the beginning and shaped and really pr- are proud of
1: at the, ch- at the at at GSN, GSN yeah. Um, that I brought in no because I'm don't I'm not taking pitches right. Really. But I will say that I was on, we do have shows that I was on from the beginning that I am very proud of. Um, we just actually um, two years was it two years ago now? Um, it was the first time GSN had been nominated for two. Um, um, Emmys for best game show and it was one was for American Bible Challenge which I was not involved in at all I came in after that show and one was for The Chase which I was very involved in and so that was a really nice moment you know to be there for that and this year was just announced that we got nominated for two Emmys um, for best host of a game show which is for The Chase and Brooke Burns and um, best director, um, for Idiot Test, Dana Calderwood.
0: Both, both your shows. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: So it's a nice feeling, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's so collaborative. I mean, we all work on these shows and we all work so hard together, but it is a nice feeling to, to see that. And those are, and they're great shows. Yeah, so.
0: and and who doesn't want to go to the Emmys?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I hope I get to go. But You're going. Yeah, I hope so. But we went. We went when we were up for best um, game show, and it was really a fun. It's a daytime Emmys, um, but it was really it's a fun experience, you know.
0: So we're gonna do. I sort of have these um, what I'm calling inside the actor studio questions that okay. um, you know, are kind of similar on every on every interview. So okay. are you ready? I don't know, Sarah Ospitz. So your proudest accomplishment
1: oh man <laughs> um my proudest accomplishment i would say the you know i don't know i i think like one thing i mean there's so many i just feel proud of the quality of shows that i've been i mean i don't it's not really like i don't have one thing okay. i think it's like the quality of shows that i've been able to help like make you know like i'm so proud of when I see our shows air, because I try to watch them when they're airing, I'm just, I feel so proud of that. And it's like on every show, even if it's on a show at CTV for no money, I just feel so proud of, proud of it, you know, because the the time and effort that it takes to make something and.
0: Yeah. And I will vouch for the fact that you literally put blood, sweat and tears into everything you do. I mean, that's something that you know, I think everyone who knows you and has worked with you can say is, well, Thank you You know, that fine line between workaholic and, uh, I know. and dedicated to your craft. I'm trying not to be too much of a workaholic <laughs> yeah.
1: anymore, but that is, it's tough, you yeah. know, it's tough, but yeah, I mean, I care so much, you, you do. know, you do. Yeah. And it,
0: and it, and it shows, honestly, your biggest regret.
1: Oh, um,
0: professionally.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes I think about, and I don't, it's a regret sometimes, but I think ultimately I'm so happy it happened, but I sometimes regret leaving TBS, you know, cause I was so happy there and it was such a nice family and, um, and I feel like they've done some really interesting stuff and maybe leaving scripted was, maybe it would have been interesting to be in scripted. So I don't, but I don't know that I'm, I don't, it's. I don't know. I guess it's not really a regret because I'm happy where I'm at now. But I sometimes think about that. Like, where would I be now if I if I hadn't the sliding doors of it? Yeah. You
0: know, it's interesting. I meant to ask this before Um, as a network executive now, you know, with all of the shifts to digital and everything that we're going through. And in in this industry, do you worry about what your job will look like in five years? Yes, every day.
1: (laughs) Um, Yes, I do.
0: And when you think about it and you can't sleep what are your thoughts
1: You know I think that at the end of the day content will always be there right and so if you know how to make it I think you're going to be okay but I'm also a network executive and so what does that mean in the future I don't know you know I don't know I mean I we asked those questions I actually asked my the CEO of our company that question and it's like we don't no one really knows what's going to happen but um Yeah, I don't know. I think you just have to take the skills you have and somehow, you know, make it work in whatever role you're in. But the thing for me is I've been so hands-on that I think I could produce, um, you know, so I could always go that route too.
0: I I completely agree because I think a lot of network execs don't have that kind of background. And they've never really been in the field or been in an edit or, or know how to craft a story from beginning to end or, you know, a format. And
1: it's like when I was at TBS for seven years, I... Yes, I was in the field with the shows and whatever, but at the end of the day, I didn't roll up my sleeves and really, I wasn't fighting the fight, you know? And so I think that, um, you know, I call, I, I, I sometimes feel that leaving was not a good idea, but it is, I am who I am because of leaving, you know? Absolutely. And there were tough years ahead. Boy, there were some tough years in there. And
0: yeah. you're a tough cookie. I mean, if I had to characterize you, I would say you're, you've are you got very strong stock. You are not a laydown. You know, you have a lot of guts and confidence. What does, you know, now that you've been on the network side for a while again, what does a producer have to do to get on your bad list? On your shit, My shit list? list? <laughs> I was going to say bad list. I'm
1: sanitizing um, it. You know, I think for me, the biggest thing is collaboration. Yeah. And... Um, And I have to say most of the producers I work with are very collaborative. I haven't really had bad experiences. I've had producers hate me um, (laughs) and producers want to punch me and tell me that. Um, And so those producers, I, you know, can be on my shit list for a little while. But I also think that it's such a passionate industry and we are making, we're creative and we get passionate about what we believe in. And so sometimes that, you know... (laughs) those things happen. But um but yeah, I think if if you're not collaborative or if you don't at least listen, I don't you don't have to agree with everything, but if you don't at least just take the, the a minute to listen to it, I think that's really that that's hard for me, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I and I, I am always oh, sometimes I'm like, well okay then you don't agree, fine. I okay, let's go your way, you know? Like and sometimes I'm like, no, it has to be this it just depends. It's a conversation, really. Yeah. You know, and I, I'm protecting I... my job is to protect my company. Really, at the end of the day, I'm protecting GSN because whatever right. we air on GSN, that's reflects GSN. So I have to protect us. And, um, you know, so you have to do what you have to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know? That's your
0: job. That's my job. <laughs> so other than GSN shows and shows that you work on, what are your top three favorite reality shows?
1: Um, I'm, I, I like um, Talent, Got Talent. I do watch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's uh, the Howie thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and um, I watch The Voice. And then I actually watch a lot of HGTV. <laughs> That's okay. Don't be embarrassed. <laughs> like a lot.
0: Yeah. Like, like that fixer is. Fixer Upper. All that your stuff. Go- yeah. All of
1: the Property Brothers. Like yeah. all of that stuff I love. I think it's also just where I'm at in life. I just really right. enjoy that stuff. You're you nesting. Know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but I've always like for the last fifteen years. Like someone said to me, I wasn't feeling well, and I said I post on Facebook, I'm not feeling well, blah blah. blah. And someone said, Why don't you remodel something? Because it's so true. Like that is me. Yeah. If I remodel, <laughs> it makes me so happy. Yeah. So that I'm, I do love the all the HGTV stuff. Um, and I watch, you know, I try to watch a little of everything. It yeah. can be hard because you know I uh, I'm I'm watching TV all day long, but I you know I will say guilty. I watch the Kardashians. Right. I still watch all that stuff.
0: Are you embarrassed that you watch Kardashians?
1: No, it's a good show. You know what? Makes I mean, it good? it's like the show has sustained and it's you know, it's it's that is incredible. And, you know, for a show to and to become a household name like that, no matter what you think of them or whatever, it's pretty incredible. And they've made an empire and the show's well done. And do you did you make the leap to I am Kate? I watched um, the did first you try? season. Yeah. It oh, the was, whole first season? Yeah, I did.
0: And? Well, um, you watched the second one.
1: Um, or it's
0: actually on already.
1: Was it, is it ha- it is Yeah, on? it started airing, Yeah, that I can tell you. That yeah, I yeah, know. no.
0: <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> it wasn't
1: for me. But it was in, it was, I think it's spectacle at first. Yeah. You know? Definitely. But, I mean, talk about, you know, I mean. A great storyline. Seriously. <laughs> you yeah. know, Wow. Yeah. It's I think
0: he she said that that's that was the best storyline of all and nobody even knew it.
1: Right. Yeah. It's pretty
0: spectacular. Like
1: if you look back, you're like, oh, it all makes sense now.
0: Right, right. right. Yeah. But interesting. You know. So do you feel like we covered it all? I don't know. I feel Did like, we? I was I that
1: interesting? Very
0: interesting. And is my
1: voice okay to listen to? I, I can don't listen know. to it. You Whether can?
0: America will embrace it, I can't vouch. I don't know. For America. <laughs> but I loved having you. I always like talking to
1: you. Yeah, this was fun. I enjoyed myself. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here.